Good morning, everyone. Uh, a very warm welcome to you all here in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be able to gather together uh, as uh, worshippers of God. And uh, welcome to those who are online as well, joining us uh, in uh, your own home or wherever you are today. A special welcome to those who may be new here today. Um, you're especially welcome. And uh, just uh, be aware that we have um, refreshments following the service, so please join us for those. That's through those doors and into the hall at the end of the, the corridor there. Uh, just um, uh, one notice, really, to remind us of the uh, space service that's uh, giving space to God uh, here this evening at 7 o'clock. So uh, everyone's welcome, of course, to that as we gather together and just spend time in God's presence and uh, listening to him, seeking him, singing to him, praying and so on. Um, so that's seven o'clock here this evening. Today we're thinking uh, in our time together about what it is to be a servant of God but under pressure and faced with difficulties or troubles that we experience. We're going to begin with um, some words from a psalm. We're going to read this as a responsive prayer, Psalm 113. Please read the words together in bold yellow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So there are people around our planet, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, and uh, here in this space, uh, who are worshipping God today. We join together with them, uh, wherever we are. And so we're going to sing a couple of songs, uh, one after the other. Please feel free to stand, sit, kneel, lift up your, your voices, your hands. Uh, worship God as you express your hearts to him. So we begin, come, bless the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. You can even clap if you like.
please take your seats and let's continue in prayer. So indeed we come into your presence. We thank you for your promise to be here with us. As we gather in Jesus' name, you're here with us by your spirit. So we thank you that you meet with us here in this space. Lord, we give you our lives as they are. We give them in service to you and to others and ask that you would speak to us, encourage us, build us up and strengthen us. Lord, we remember how um, after Jesus had risen, Thomas seems to have doubted your resurrection and you showed him, him, that wound in your side and the scars in your hand said it is truly you. So thank you for that revealing of the resurrection to us. And Lord, we recognise we're like Thomas, we're like others of the disciples. We have those needs. And so Lord, we pray that you would be with us, present with us here today as we gather together, as we spend time with you and with one another. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a few things to show you and uh, I want you to kind of tell me what the common link is. Bottle of olive oil. A carton of apple juice. And a carton of orange juice. Besides the fact that they are all things that we can eat or drink or uh, take in, uh, then uh, what's the common thing between those three? Hazard a guess. Fruit, what? Squeezing, squeezing. Very good. Cooking, you can use them in cooking. Um, but they're all things that have come about through uh, being squeezed or pressured, of course. Uh, so uh, the, the olive oil has come about from olives that have been pressed and they produce the oil. Uh, the apples have been, well, not so much squeezed, but probably smashed into bits uh, and the juice come out of them. And uh, the oranges have uh, been certainly squeezed in some way. Um, have I got a volunteer? Someone like who doesn't mind uh, the smell of oranges and doesn't mind getting their hands sticky and wet. Yeah, come on, up, up you come. Yeah. You don't mind as well? Oh no. Okay. Well, I've got a couple of oranges here, so. Um, all right, here we go, William. Oh, oh, we got we've got two volunteers here. Okay, uh, it's okay. I'm going to use these two. So. I've got some wet wipes, so don't worry. Turn, face everyone, that's it. Peel the orange. Okay, doesn't matter if you might. Oh, actually, you can put the uh, put the orange peel in here. Chuck it in here. Don't do this at home, kids. Okay. All right. And what you're going to do is you're going to be uh, you're going to give us a graphic example of what it what it looks like when you squeeze an orange to produce the juice. I've got um, a container here 
Okay, to, uh, so, William, do you want to go first? Come around this side, that's it, so everyone can see. And then squeeze the, oh, it's great, isn't it, eh? Look at this, love it. Yeah, keep, keep going. Squeeze as much out as you can. That's it. Okay, and Grace, your turn. Oh, that's interesting. You're going to do them as individuals. Okay, here we go. Did any come out? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming out. That's it, great. Very good. So, of course, we, we don't normally do this at home, do we? This isn't normally the, <laughs> this isn't normally the way that we eat oranges, is it, or produce juice? But you can see these these uh, fruit. This fruit has the juice contained within it, the goodness contained within it, but it needs to be squeezed in order for that juice to come out. Um, and of course, right? Do you fancy drinking this? Uh, maybe without the orange. Maybe without the orange bits. Do you fancy drinking this? without the orange I'm not going to get you to drink it because your hands have been well over it, okay, so I didn't get you to wash your hands. All right, but this is how we get orange juice of that. You keep going there with this, with this if you want. That's it. We've got an industrial process going on here, okay. I've got some wet wipes here, so grab some wet wipes, all right, wipe your hands, give them a round of applause. You can stop there, Grace, if you want. Uh, so you can take those oranges if you wanted to eat those. That's fine. You're welcome to those. You're not allergic to oranges, are you? I should have asked that at the beginning, should I? Yeah. Yeah. I would assume if your parents knew you were allergic to oranges, they yeah, would have stopped you. I don't know if you can be, but there's, you can be allergic to all kinds. I'm allergic to work, so... Okay, take a seat. That's it. Well done. Ah, do you want some more there? All right, take your seats. You can sit down. <laughs> you, can, you can take the wet wipes with you if you want. You don't have to... What am I, what am I not getting here? Uh, they're still wet. That's it, here you go. There, yeah, there, there. Okay. Are they normally this kind of tidy? No. Are they? Here we go. You done? Yeah, I'll pop him in there. Right. Well done. Okay, very good. Yeah, can you give them another round of applause. Well done. You what? You you what? No. Not, not now, not now. I'll put all the wet wipes in there. So. It can be a messy business, of course. Uh, you know, squeezing the, the foods to get the, the juice out. And of course, sometimes our lives come under all kinds of pressures and it can be a, a messy business. It can mean that the experience of our lives sometimes is not a, a pleasant one. But sometimes those pressures, those tight places, produce something good. 
I wonder if there's anyone here carrying a diamond. Anyone here who's got a diamond on them? Maybe some of you have got a ring with a diamond in. If you've got it, hold it up nice and high. That's it. This is show, you can show off. You don't normally do this. Okay. I assume there's going to be more than one. All right. I haven't. I haven't got a diamond on here. But um, there's many diamonds. Of course, you, I, I think you all know, a diamond is there because of an immense amount of pressure acted upon some carbon. It's kind of squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. I've actually worked it out. How many, well, I've, been t- I've looked it up. <laughs> Apparently, sev- about 700 to 800,000 pounds per square inch, plus temperature, plus heat, is needed in order to squeeze carbon into a diamond structure. So what you, those of you that have got a diamond on your ring, what you are carrying about is something that has been created under an immense amount of pressure. This is what I worked out. It's basically 4,000 of me standing on a square inch on like a, a stamp. Imagine that, 4,000 Michaels standing. (laughs) That's how much pressure you are carrying on your ring, on your your ring finger. That the amount of pressure needed for that to create something beautiful from a lump of coal, as it were. Even in our pressures, even in our squeezed places, God is able to bring about beautiful things. Sometimes we need to endure. Sometimes we need to stay in there and look to him. I would suggest that sometimes the pressures that we experience, if we are not looking to him, can break us. You may know that yourself in your own life. You know, in Paul writes these words to, to one of the churches that he cared about. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So when you experience that pressure, that squeeze, that tight place. Make sure that you have Jesus revealed through your life. And if you you know that you haven't got Jesus in your life yet, because you haven't received him as your Saviour and Lord, then do so today. Don't delay. If you hear his voice, respond with your heart and receive him. He's worth far more than any diamond that we may carry around with us. Let us pray. 
Our Father, we want to thank you that you love us and you know us and that you know what it's like in the person of Jesus to be under immense pressure. We think of how Jesus was in that garden called Gethsemane and how that pressure was there, so much so that he sweat drops of blood. Think of that olive grove, the place where olives were pressed, where oil was produced, that oil used in sacrifice and in offering and in worship. So Lord, we give ourselves afresh to you in the difficult spaces and places that we occupy, in the pressures and the troubles and the difficulties that we experience. We pray, Lord, bring about your beauty in our lives. And we pray, Lord, for those who will be going from us into their own time together, the uh, the children and youth, we, we pray that you will bless them. We ask that you would watch over them, watch over those who are leading and helping them. We pray that, again, that your good news will be shared loud and clear and that they will be able to each encounter you, Lord Jesus, and receive you as their friend, as their Saviour and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing together, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. And uh, during the singing of this song, uh, folk are going to go into their own groups, uh, BRBK or uh, in Crash or wherever.
please take, uh, take your seats. And let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for the ways in which you are working in our lives and in our world. We do want in this moment to bring before you the situations that we face, the people that we care for, the situations around the world, and ask that you administer to those who are experiencing great trouble, turmoil, pressures and difficulties. Lord, we think of those areas around our world that are at war or that suffer lack. Lord, we pray that you may minister your grace. We think of Sudan at this time, uh, where there are power struggles in, in leadership and where lives are being lost. Have mercy, we pray, and bring those struggles under control. And Lord, other places around our world where there is injustice and pain, loss of life and hardship. We ask, Lord, that you may minister in those tough places. We give you, Lord, the situations in our own families where we are experiencing difficulty, sadness, grief, pressures, where we have great needs in our own bodies and minds. Lord, where there is illness, Lord, we pray that you may minister to each one of us as we have need. And Lord, we pray for our community, local community, for those who meet in this building during the week and on Sundays. For those, Lord, uh, who are seeking to reach out with your good news in our community and further afield. We pray, Lord, that you may minister your grace and your goodness and your help. And Lord, that many may be encountering you in these days to be the, the most precious one. And Lord, as we uh, in a moment come to read and hear your word, we pray that you would speak to us and help us to respond to what you're saying to us in these days. Open our hearts and our minds. Give us understanding Give us compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before we come to our reading, let's sing together. Longing for light, we wait in darkness.
Please take your seats. We're going to come to the next part in our series and our readings in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and starting at verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, Beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. The Apostle Paul in our scripture reading today describes the Christian's service to their Lord. This is what the servant of God looks like. He speaks about difficulties, inequalities, and paradoxes. Is, is that paradoxi? Paradoxes of servant ministry. Paul prefaces his list in, with a reminder in verse 3 that we must not allow anything in our lives of service that would give people reason to respond, uh, not, not to respond positively to Jesus. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. You know, one of the, the greatest obstacles to the progress of the gospel in our society and community is the example of some of those who profess to be his followers. May we, as individual or as a local body of believers not be the reason for someone rejecting Jesus Christ. May you and I not be the stumbling block to faith in Christ. And Jesus himself spoke words of woe to those who were well versed in matters of religion and the law. Words that we don't want him to be speaking to us. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. See, the message of the cross of Christ is enough of an offence in itself without us finding ways of being an offence and a hindrance to those who would readily receive God's mercy and grace. May not one of us be religiously 
graceless or merciless. If you have received the grace and mercy of Christ, then give it away to others. Forgive others as you have been forgiven. Release others as you have been released. Serve others as you have been served. Live out the message of the cross. Do not empty it of its power through hard-heartedness or pride. Rather, we are to humble ourselves as the servant of Christ, just as he came to serve us and remove our sin through the cross. You see, if we have received Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord, we are saved to serve. And we are observed by those around us. So what Jesus do we represent? Do we represent to those around us? An ungracious Jesus, an unforgiving Jesus, a stiff-necked or proud or arrogant Jesus. Don't be the reason for the rejection of Christ in others. So let's listen to Paul's picture of the servant. First, some difficulties in verses 4 to 5. In fact, this is the second of three hardship lists penned by Paul in this epistle. The others are found in chapter 4, verses 8 to 12, and chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. He itemises some hardships, some of his hardships. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses. The the word that Paul uses here that we have translated as endurance is a, a Greek word that literally means to remain under. It speaks of that oppressive, emotional, physical or spiritual hardship or pressure. But Paul did not quit when the going got tough. Instead, he exhibited endurance. Paul's word here also for troubles means pressed or squeezed. It indicates pressures from within or pressures from without. The one who serves God will have adversities, pressures and stresses, perhaps constricting the heart, the mind, the spirit. You feel under pressure. Remember, in such times of pressure, how Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul's word here also for hardships could be translated as necessities or emergencies. We may encounter sicknesses, grief, perplexities that tax us to the utmost as we strive to know whatever to do or or how to bear up under the hardship. And Paul's word for distresses here literally means the tight or narrow place or space. The idea is is that uh, being under constraint or under siege by an enemy one where you have no room to move, uh, no escape, it, it feels. 
We could say that the modern day phrase, to be in dire straits. Our situation seems so narrow, so insolvable and inescapable. Yet Paul wants Christ's servant to be encouraged and know the power of Christ's endurance. For in such troubles, pressures, stresses, hardships and emergencies, in those dire straits, in those narrow spaces where we barely have space to breathe, Christ's spirit brings transformation. You see, without Christ, we could become despairing or or bitter. But the one who looks to Christ, for that person, tribulation builds character. As I said before, carbon under great pressure turns to diamond. You see, the Christian life is not about entertainment, but about endurance. It's not about vacation, it's about vocation. Serving God requires sacrifice and surrender. But we are not in it alone. Paul continues in this list by listing some physical hardships which he himself encountered and was forced upon him. And we too may expect. He suffered beatings. He was dealt blows, wounds and floggings. Even at this mid-course of his ministry, he'd endured much suffering for Christ at human hands. He faced imprisonments. He was put under guard. He found that in Philippi, Jerusalem, Caesarea, Rome, and in other places, he was physically chained and restrained and restricted. Do not take your freedom to share Jesus with those around you today in our society for granted. How are we using our freedom to share this most precious saviour of ours? We have freedom. We really do have freedom to tell others around and about this good news in ways that our brothers and sisters around the world do not have. But perhaps we are imprisoned by our own fear of what might happen or what people might think about us. You might be wrong. Paul found himself time and time again in what he also must have felt to be scary riots, such as in uh, Pisidian Antioch, in Lystra, in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Corinth, in Ephesus, and in Jerusalem. These social and societal instabilities, be they political or religious, large or small, continue to be weapons Satan still uses against Jesus' disciples today. Paul voluntarily encountered hardships for the sake of ministry. He had ones forced upon him, but he also willingly entered into some. He endured hard work. Arduous tasks can result in weariness. Spiritual and scriptural preaching, teaching, sharing of the gospel in our hearts, uh, from our hearts, from our lives, from our words, 
does in, uh, require effort due to our enemy's resistance. Remember, the fight is not against flesh and blood. We have a foe who does not want the people around and about us to hear this good news about Jesus. And he will come against us and try and stop us and discourage us. Your labour is not in vain if it is in Christ. Paul also encounters sleepless nights. The word he uses there is literally means to hunt sleep. Perhaps that urgency of prayer comes upon you to, to stay awake at night and to pray. You don't know why, but you, you wake with someone on your mind. Don't try go back to sleep. Pray, even if it's just a few words. Sometimes situations, events, concerns rob the body and the mind of rest. It seems Jesus missed, deliberately missed nights of sleep in order to pray. Yet we may not even be willing to lose an hour of sleep in order to pray and spend time alone with our Father. You know, you can do far more on your knees in your bedroom or lying there looking up at the ceiling at night than you could do in the rest of that day. Lastly, of these first nine, Paul says that we may even serve God in hunger, either voluntary through fasting uh, or fasting that is forced upon the believer. Are we willing to be those who hunger for the word of God and the will of God in our lives and in our land more than the food and drink our body craves. Whom do you serve? Your flesh or the Spirit of God? Then Paul moves on from these various difficulties to these spiritual inner qualities in verses 6 and 7, which enable him to endure and triumph as a servant of God. So we have this spirit filled life in purity, understanding and patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. May we be those who pursue purity, that uprightness of heart, that singleness of purpose in their minds found in the devoted follower of Christ. Fill your heart and your mind with the word of God. Keep in step with the spirit of God. Keep attuned to that quiet voice of the Spirit of God in a noisy world. Be one who submits their thinking, their feeling, their speaking, their being, their willing to the Spirit. Reject the impure, the unholy, the, the common, that which defiles. Daily discipline yourself to pick up your cross and die to self and sin and live for him. There's also be those who seek true understanding that is found in Christ Jesus. Paul tells the Colossians that his goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, he writes, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. 
See, Paul is aware that we can be easily deceived by the latest fad or fashion or fine-sounding arguments or interpretation. And he encourages the the, the servant of God to pursue that self-discipline in their devotion to the Scriptures, to ensure their faith is in Christ and it is firm. May we not lean upon our own understanding or our own interpretation, but fear the Lord and gain his wisdom for living. And as Paul says, may we exhibit that fruit of the Spirit in patience and in kindness. Yes, we may long suffer others' actions against us and situations that we endure even in the face of injustice. But let us be patient with others as the Lord is patient with us. Let us display unmerited kindness to others as we have been shown kindness through Christ on the cross. Yes, that person doesn't deserve your forgiveness. They don't deserve your kindness. They don't deserve your love. But give it to them anyway. Because that's how Christ has responded to us. And it is in the Holy Spirit that we can exhibit and experience that sincere love. Love that is unfeigned, untainted, not hypocritical. Paul writes to the Christians in Rome that love must be sincere. It must be sincere. What other form of love is there? Insincere love? It must be genuine and pure, not mixed with self-seeking. Love is the primary fruit of the Spirit which governs and encompasses all we, are, all we do and are in Christ Jesus. And Paul, as Paul leads with the Spirit, he continues with the Word. The Greek that Paul uses here uh, says the Word of Truth. We have it in a NIV Bible sometimes translated in truthful speech. You see, Paul knows that the spirit and the truth go hand in hand. And this is plainly heard from Jesus himself. He says, God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Paul writes that our gospel to you came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction When you go out there, you go with the word of God, with the word of truth, and you go with power. The servant of Jesus goes out with good news about Jesus by the spirit of Jesus, and therefore goes out with power, not powerless. Luke tells us that Jesus of Nazareth was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And you are called to be his servant out there in the world and to rely upon his and his authority and upon his power, not your own. Peter writes, if anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You're not going for your own praise. 
You're going and serving for his. And Paul serves with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. He was armed and ready for the offence and the defence. Elsewhere he elaborates to the Ephesians about the full armour of God. And he speaks about this spiritual weaponry that is the only kind uh, to be effective in the spiritual nature of the battle we face. See, the world's forces of darkness are the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. That's how we go out into our world. The Christian is called to a daily battle. And it's here that Paul comes to the third part of his list, the the nine pairs of paradoxes, a series of conflicting responses to his ministry. Through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors. You see, we are those who seek to serve God and are not immune from the fickle judgments of the world and the people around us. The Apostle Paul tells the Galatians that even though his illness was a trial to them, they did not treat him with contempt or scorn. Instead, he says, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ himself. So he experienced that that glory, as it were, to be welcomed uh, gladly. However, he also experienced insults and dishonour. Servants of God, you see, have both bitter envies and devoted friends. Some will hold you in love and esteem, while others will ridicule, reject and renounce you. Like Paul, be prepared to be maligned or slandered as a servant of God. You may suffer misreporting, misrepresentation, perhaps out of misunderstanding or even malice and ill will. Paul had his fair share of bad report and good report. False and malicious gossip spreads easily in a community, even more so within a church, when it is given space to breathe and fuel to burn. We read how a perverse person stirs up conflict. A gossip separates close friends. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. The true servant of God follows Christ's example. When they hurled their insults at him, Peter writes, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who who judges justly. God has the last word in your situation. God has the last laugh. You don't need to fight your battle. I wonder what report 
would be written about us. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance and disorder. Servants of God come under attack. And though they are genuine, yet they are regarded as impostors, Paul says. His opponents said he sowed deceit, he led others astray, that the Pharisees called Jesus a deceiver. Christ's servants are still profaned and labelled as was their master. The servant of God is known, yet regarded as unknown. Perhaps you feel like you are being ignored. You're a non-entity. You're obscured. Paul was treated in this way, or you haven't even got the proper credentials, unacknowledged, unaccepted as a legitimate minister of the gospel. Yet, he says he was well known by God. He writes to Timothy, the Lord knows those who are his. You don't need people's accolade. You need God's accolade. And Paul was found as dying, yet we live on. He suffered illness, he suffered injury, he suffered the vic- being the victim of violence, stone beaten, whipped, nearly drowned. Yet in all these times it seems that he was able to cheat death and be delivered for Jesus' sake, that he might manifest Jesus in his mortal flesh. Yes, we too may die in the flesh. May we die to the flesh. And may we live by the Spirit. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Let's be those who rejoice in God, even in times of sorrow and suffering. Poor, yet rich. The the word Paul uses here literally means to crouch or cower like a beggar. In other words, to be bent over, deeply destitute, completely lacking the resources of earthly wealth, helpless as a beggar. And yet, Paul and others like him, the servants of God, make others truly rich. Our, Our riches are not to do with our bank accounts or our possessions or our large, wonderful houses. We have to leave all of that behind. And woe to those who store up wealth in these days, in the last days. That's what the scriptures say. And yet in Christ we have been enriched in every way. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Do not store up for yourselves worldly wealth and possessions, yet not be rich toward God. And he tells the story, the parable, it will be demanded of us. So Paul presents the true servant of God. Perhaps not an attractive picture in many respects, but an honest one. 
But then the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I pray that we too will seek to be servants of the cross, servants of the Christ, never to be a stumbling block for those around us. Amen. We sing together our closing song, Ye Servants of God. And please uh, remember that if you would like prayer, um, then the prayer is offered after the service. Just go make your way over to that side of the, the, the building and uh, you can be prayed with or prayed for. Um, just uh, spend that time in prayer. And if, if you want, if you know that you haven't yet received Jesus as your Saviour and Lord and you want him, then respond today and chat to me, chat to uh, the, the folk over there that are praying, chat to Tim, chat to one of the, the deacons. But don't go from this place without having received him if he's calling you to follow him. say the words of the grace to one another. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.